0: America's democracy hangs in the balance while you're tuned into politics Greer McVeigh host of the capital G podcast will help you make sense of the news of the day and more importantly understand how what goes on in our nation's capital is important to you and your family Greer shares insights and opinions in the lead-up to the election and then we'll help guide you through the anticipated aftermath and into the next administration. That's politics with a capital G.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Capital G Podcast. I'm your host, Greer McVeigh. I welcome you to this show. This is the third episode. So, so far, so good. We're moving along. We're gonna start with today's big numbers, uh, 7,411,716. That's the number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the United States as of today. 209,720 that number is the confirmed deaths in the United States based on John Hopkins numbers which are the numbers that I've been using although I did the look at MSNBC earlier their number had surpassed 210,000 so coronavirus is the big story in the news today and These numbers are alarming, as I hope you would understand and and agree. Uh, Another number, another big number is 12. And this is really what we're going to talk about today. 12 is the number of people in the president's inner circle who have been diagnosed with COVID-19 over just the last few days. That number 12 includes the first lady, the campaign chairman, senior advisors, uh, at least three senators, Republican senators, and the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, who has checked himself into a hospital. There are other people also on the list, one of whom is the president's personal valet. That's somebody who helps to get his life in order, delivers meals, set out his clothes and all that. And interestingly, a couple of months ago, his personal valet tested positive. So it's not clear to me, well, let me rephrase that. These are two different people. So it's not clear to me if he's just going through valet, you know, it's like, well, whoever comes and contact me, in contact with me, will just, you know, is at risk of, of infecting COVID-19 and so be it and we'll just get another one. We've had Secret Service agents and uh, other White House staffers and all kinds of people who have uh, tested positive who are in the president's orbit. And that that's just very upsetting to me. So, so I, we're going to get to this. We're going to have a little bit of conversation about this, but I just want to point out how not okay it is for someone to have information about a condition, in this case a deadly virus, that is spreading like wildfire and isn't taking the necessary steps to protect the people around them. That, that is just very disturbing. So that number 12, I, you know, I, will, I just want to underscore it. But that is where we're starting our, our conversation. As you probably know by now, or should know, uh, or maybe not, because that's my job, right? To tell you what you may not know. Maybe you're out living your life and enjoying a weekend, or you've decompressed and you decided to shut it off and turn everything off and just, you know, do you, which is great. Um, So whether you know or don't know, I'm going to tell you, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, has been hospitalized. On on Friday afternoon, or Friday evening, he was transported to the hospital, Walter Reed Hospital, where he has been undergoing treatment for his own positive diagnosis of COVID-19. On Friday evening, I, I posted a uh, Facebook Live on the Capital G Podcast Facebook page where I talked a little bit about some of the conspiracy theories that are, that are swarming around this diagnosis. At the end of the day, I'm not going to talk about that today because, uh, much. <laughs> I may allude to it. But at the end of the day, the president a pres- any president, not this president in particular, but him included, any president who, whose doctors or who announces that they have tested positive for a virus that has killed approximately 210,000 people in six months alone, should be believed, right? You would think that if the president says, you know what, I'm, I'm sick, I've, I've got this disease, I'm, I'm being treated, but I, the American people deserve to know, you have a right to know, so I'm letting you know. That should be the end of that conversation. What the treatment is, what the prognosis is, all the other stuff that goes with that, sure, we're going to learn more information as the days go, But just that he tested positive alone should not be something that's subject to debate or that's scrutinized or that is second guessed or that's confusing or that has literally half the country crying foul. And that is where we are. That's where we find ourselves as a nation that so many people. Certainly people that I follow on uh, social media and people who follow me, there is a significant amount of skepticism about whether or not the president is positive for COVID-19 at all, right? Just, you know, it's like, I don't believe it. I call BS. And so then the conversation changes because we're all operating with different information and we're looking at quote unquote facts through different lenses. Should we look at it as the information that we need to help us in our own lives, to understand how the virus is transmitted, how it's spread, what the different treatments are, what you can expect, or do we look at it as, wow, we're in October, there's an October surprise. We knew one or more would be coming, and here we go. And, you know, we just can't believe anything that's sad. That is the true tragedy of where we find ourselves as a nation at this time. So the president has been hospitalized on Saturday, which would be October 3rd his, so he went into the hospital on Friday, the October, uh, 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 October 2nd. And then on Saturday, his doctors came forward and they gave a press conference and they said, well, here's the president's condition. And they rattled off some things. And I'm not going to get into the technical about where he is um, and the treatment and all that. I'm not a medical doctor. I do understand what they're saying. And he's taking, you know, I can't even pronounce that res demivir, res or whatever, but he's taking a, a cocktail of different medications and they're doing x, y, and Z, and they're looking and his his uh, vital statistics are fine and he, and all of that, so you know they, they start off saying, you know he's doing well, he's resting well, we're observing him, hes you know we're giving him this treatment, he's responding well he's we're hard at work and so on and so forth okay let's just take that at face value for the moment that should as a nation give us comfort that our president is getting the best care possible if it was obama if it was clinton if it was bush if it was reagan if it was anybody we would want to know that the president is getting the treatment that he deserves however within minutes as the press started to ask follow-up questions, we started to get a completely different uh, per- perception about what the facts are. You know, the, the, w- Did he get diagnosed 36 hours previous to that or was it 72 hours previous to that? If it was 36 hours, then that means X. If it was 72, that means Y. If it was 72 hours, that means that he probably was infected when he had the, the, the debate last week with Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden and then didn't tell anybody. It means that he went on campaign events the following day knowing that he was, uh, had tested positive but neglected to tell anybody. Those are really big concerns. So I want us to go back just for a minute to the president's oath of office. And he swore an oath to, he solemnly swore an oath that he would faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States and he will to the best of his ability preserve, preserve protect, and defend the Constitution. And in, in so doing, part of what it means to protect and defend is that he would do his best to mitigate risks to the American people. He would help to make sure that he's Uh, doing all he can to keep us safe from harm. And if he's misleading us or has his people misleading us, then we, one, are not safe, there are national security implications, and there are other challenges that are unacceptable or should be unacceptable to the people of the United States. We know that Trump knew about the existence of coronavirus, since J- at least January. There are some reports that he knew earlier, but at least January, we knew. And when he d- did his interview with Bob Woodward, and I mentioned this previously, in recorded interviews, he knew that coronavirus was highly contagious, that it was airborne or spread in part through aerosolized droplets in the air, right? Which means you kind of can't see it. It's just the, when you talk, you spray, blow your nose, sneeze, cough, whatever. It on your sweat through bodily fluids, it gets into the air. It's aerosolized, so it's really, really small particles that is floating in the air. And, and it's easily transmittable or transmissible from one person to another. We know that he knew that because he said that in taped interviews. We know from the CDC and all the other experts who've spent months trying to educate us. You know about public health and what that means and how we can help protect one another that we need to wear masks we need to keep social distance we need at least six feet of space between one another and we need to wash our hands frequently we knew that we needed to take personal action early on and that's part of why we self uh we were sequestered and working from home and, and all these things. That's why we've been met wearing masks and not going to the store and not going to restaurants and movie theaters and doing all the things we would normally do. So there was never, other than, a, you know, for a few days, maybe in the first week or two, there was some discrepancy about how effective masks were. But other than that, we knew to wear masks. And part of it was, they didn't know if it was effective or how effective because they didn't necessarily know how the virus was transmitting through the air, through this aerosolized droplets. But also there was concern about the lack of uh, available PPE for medical professionals. And they're like, well, if everybody goes and gets them, buys them all up, then there won't be any for medical professionals. So, okay. Everybody got on board with that. The uh, Vice President, Mike Pence, who was the, well, I guess he still is, the head of the Coronavirus Task Force, and all of the people on the task force, they all gave this message, wear a mask, do what, you know, and they had signs and they put that information out through the, uh, the CDC. However, there's one person who consistently throughout this entire Crisis has not been on that same line for some reason, and it is not clear to me. It cannot be. It's not clear to anybody um, at this point why it is. Is it just that that Trump thinks it isn't macho to wear a mask? We don't know why it is that he doesn't want to to wear a mask, or why he why he downplays it, and why he discourages people from doing it. But there was a study done recently um, by researchers at Cornell University, and they said uh, of the flood of misinformation, conspiracy theories, and falsehoods that are seeding the internet on the coronavirus, of all the stuff that's out there, one common thread stands out, and we're talking about the misinformation, President Trump. He is the primary source of misinformation. He is the largest source of misinformation. That's the conclusion of Cornell University, who analyzed 38 million articles about the the pandemic that were done in English language media around the world. So they're looking at all the stuff around the world, 38 million articles, which I didn't know there were that many articles. But. In the 38 million articles, Trump made up 38% of the overall misinformation conversation, making him the largest driver of falsehoods involving the pandemic. So we take that information, which is disturbing enough on its own, But then now we look at the fact that he himself supposedly has coronavirus. And then we look at his doctors who are giving us information that they're walking back. His doctor tells us one thing, his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, told us something else. Mark Meadows is over here telling reporters, oh, I'll talk to you off the record, off camera, over here. And then he's whispering something while the the chief medical officer, person, the person that leads Trump's team, Dr. Connolly, is telling us, the American people, a different thing, but then goes back the next day and, get, and has to, or the, a couple of hours later, and has to revise his statement, or, oh, I misspoke, and, oh, I, I think there was a misunderstanding. So I say all this to say that we still find ourselves in a place where we cannot trust the information i shouldn't say we can't trust it we would be it would be it would it would make sense you would be fair you would be reasonable in not trusting the information i wouldn't pass judgment on you if you didn't trust the information coming out of the white house about coronavirus and if it was just the president and you know, and I'm not really going to cover whether I think I, I really don't want to do a play-by-play of what the President is doing. What I, wanna, what I want is to make sure we're getting accurate information. And if the treatments that they're using for him, they're using uh, 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 therapeutics that are still um, being tested, things that are not commonly used or that are generally used for people that are more advanced in their uh, in their treatment, then either it's part of a scheme to maybe when he emerges from this say yes because I use this that and the other we've got a cure and I was a guinea pig and aren't I great or maybe he's further along than he's admitted that he is and he's not doing as well. I will say as I'm speaking right now the monitor is on and my Office and Trump, it's not quite clear because the volume is down, but he's doing some sort of drive by in the city. So he's hospitalized, but he's managed to get into a vehicle. They're doing a motorcade, they're driving through because, of course, he's got fans and supporters outside of the hospital and well wishers with their MAGA people with their Trump signs and all that. So somebody who is ill, who's sick, not sick, who is tested positive for this virus, should be getting rest and getting well, should be getting the treatment, is instead literally driving around in a motorcade, waving at fans, drawing attention, all serves to undermine our ability to trust whatever is being said. And as I wrap up today, um, there are a couple of a couple of points that I want to make one, and this is probably the biggest one that i that I want to to sort of leave with if Trump, with all of the medical expertise the doctors the the, the millions of dollars being paid for helicoptering him to the hospital, all of that if all of that all the Uh, experimental drugs and therapies and treatments and best care and all of that, if all of that, the knowledge and the CDC at his fingertips, if that wasn't enough to keep him, for him to keep himself safe and for him to keep his own family and his staff and his uh, campaign team, if that wasn't enough, if he doesn't have the ability or wouldn't or couldn't do what he needed to do with all of those resources, to keep his people safe, why would we think that he would do anything more to keep us and our families safe? That I really want you to think about. So I'm gonna leave us today with uh, the last big number. And this big number is, well, depending on how you look at it, 53 or 14. So those are two big numbers. 53 is the percentage so in the latest NBC, Wall Street Journal poll conducted after the debate. So after the debate, but before this, this COVID diagnosis, Joe Biden leads, leads Donald Trump in national polls by 14 points, 53 to 39. That's, that's Biden's largest lead to date. So this is after the debate. So people saw that, what did I call it, instead of a presidential debate? I called it an unpresidential debacle. They looked at that. Joe Biden doubled his lead to 14%. Trump said he won and all that. Obviously, he didn't. And then now he finds himself, you know, I'm not going to say conveniently, but he finds himself positive with COVID-19, which he said was a hoax, which he's done nothing to mitigate for the rest of us, let alone for himself and his family, as they do these events without masks and so forth. And that's where we find ourselves as we go into the final month before the election. So election day is November 3rd. And again, we're just inside the one month marker. Now's the time to think about what he's doing for the country and what he would do if he had another four years to do it. I thank you for listening today. It's been a pleasure sharing my thoughts with you on today's Capital G podcast. And that's politics with a capital G.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Capital G. As always, you can find show and host information at Podcast.com and even more information and commentary on the Capital G blog, which you can also access through CapitalGPodcast.com. If you liked what you heard, please share the show with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform.